Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Wednesday. It is January 31st. Hope everybody's doing well. We'll talk about how Marquette got their grip back. We'll give them some grades. We will do Wisconsin importance rankings for the month of February. We're also going to talk about an interesting ranking that I have. Uh, I just watched a fantasy football punishment and a guy had to spend the bar had to spend his day in the bar from bar open to bar close. We'll talk about the best and worst bars in Milwaukee to do that with uh, later in today's program. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder: social media, tapping the keg on Twitter slash X, tapping the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok and Facebook. If you are a Marquette fan. I'm on the PSF app. Um, I hosted a live stream for Marquette Villanova yesterday. It was a lot of fun. We'll talk about it uh, during the grading segment a little bit more. Uh, We are running it back for Georgetown. I believe that game's at one o'clock. So make sure you sign up for the PSF app. I will be, I'm not gonna spam it today. I spammed it a lot yesterday. A lot of you joined us in the chat. Really, really do appreciate that, honestly. Um, and I, it means a lot to me. I know I reached out to a few of you, uh, so thank you. Um, and if you didn't, um, there's time on, on Saturday, so I can drop that link um, for you. Uh, we'll post a couple times on Thursday and Friday uh, to get you ready uh, for that game, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there with the second straight row game uh, for the Golden Eagles. Uh, if you are new to the program, if you're coming in from TikTok, you're coming in from... Uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. Uh, We do this podcast four days a week. Uh, I do it three days solo, one with my guy, Mitch. If there's breaking news, we'll obviously add a podcast to our repertoire. Um, We're going to have, we're actually going to have Mitch tomorrow. Uh, We're going to watch the first half of the Bucks game together um, and kind of talk over it. It'll be an interesting pod. Um, I haven't really exact, I think I know what I'm going to do for in terms of the show, but I don't need to get into the weeds. I don't need to tell you how the sausage is made. Uh, But yeah, we're going to have a show tomorrow, uh, which I said we might not, and we're going to have a show Friday. Um, So we're not going to have a show Friday. So uh, if you're a Friday listener, I'm sorry. Um, With football kind of being on hiatus this week, um, no real need uh, for a Friday show. Um, And that's kind of kind of where we're at so no friday show today or this week um and that's a little more common during the football season i will say especially once it gets to baseball season once we get past basketball then friday shows are sometimes a thing of the past so sorry sorry if you are a weekend listener there's a lot to catch up on though um and it's still evergreen enough uh, to get you through your day all right Let's okay. Oh, and I I realized that, but I didn't even I didn't get the sell. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, we're there for you. Uh, make sure you're tapped in there. Um, and if you want to leave a review, we'd appreciate it. If you want to share this with your friends, we'd even appreciate that even more. Just spreading the good word about tapping the keg sports. We do it a little bit differently in the state of Wisconsin versus the others. All right, now let's talk about Marquette and getting their grip back. A couple weeks ago, uh, Marquette lost to Butler. And I popped on this podcast and I said, Marquette had lost their grit. I said, Marquette looked like a team that, you know, did not necessarily want to fight. And that they looked like a team that, you know, was kind of maybe a shell of what they were last season. And 
I was really critical, um, and, and I think for good reason. I, I, Butler right now is a fringe at tournament team, but it was a it was a disgusting loss. And I, the reason I said you know they they kind of lost their grit is they looked like a team that expected things to be handed to them, and they looked like you know. I compared it to, I think it was the Mumford and Sons, right? Where that first Mumford and Sons album were, was gritty. It was, it was really like get in your feels type shit. And then they made money and no one really, it, it was not really the same thing the second time around, which totally understandable. Like you're not going to probably necessarily feel that pain when you're banking in millions of dollars. And not to say that Marquette was, but basically the point is, is like Marquette kind of went to the mountaintop last year. And so they were like, well, I don't really want to go to that. Like, can I just be there? Can I just have everybody praise me? And I don't have to work. I don't have to fight to get to that mountaintop. After that Butler game, a switch was flipped. There is the infamous Chick-fil-A conversation that I'm sure will be talked about a lot as we get you know into March Madness season, where Marquette met at a Chick-fil-A after that game and kind of hashed out what was what was going on with this basketball team. Since then, Marquette is five and up. Since then, Marquette has had some really tough Big East road wins. And we were critical of this team. And we're saying that they they could not win on the road and they couldn't win those big games on the road. They were able to do just enough to beat St. John's on the road. Um, Basically right after that Butler game to avoid a three game losing streak and came back from being down 10 early on in that basketball game. They blew out DePaul after DePaul had fired their coach. And that was probably the peak of DePaul where if they were gonna win, that was gonna be the game as the, the classic new coach theory. Any Bucks fan can relate to that right now. And then you go to Villanova last night, and Villanova has lost four straight games. Villanova's 11-9. Villanova's on the fringe of the tournament, if not even a thought right now in the tournament. Kyle Neptune's job is being questioned. His seat is hotter than the fucking sun. And Marquette goes in there and gets up 37-17 and just dominates Villanova for the first 10 minutes of this game. Now, credit to Neptune, which I don't think a lot of people credited Kyle Neptune after this game because they were frustrated that he'd lost again. And I understand that. I, I had Steve Wojciechowski as a coach. I, I get it. Um, but he did do a good job of adjusting, and he did make some nice adjustments. But when, the, when it was nut-crunching time, it became Tyler Kolick time. And, so, and, and that was not something we saw the first part of January. You know, I saw a meme where it's like January has uh, January isn't over yet. Like I've lived a thousand lives, or I've lived a couple lives in this month already. I I, I think that's true with Marquette, right? Like we think about where they were after they lost to Seton Hall, and we were like, okay, they can't really win on the road. They're having struggles, you know, to to put it all together, and now they've won five straight. They are red hot. They are a top ten team again. And they've sort of found that that grit that got him here. And it's part Kolick. I think Kolick has, even though he's like, oh, I like the noise. I, he had a great quote, which we'll talk about in the grading segment. But it's like, 
I don't know if that's entirely true. Like it, it. I think the no- he loves the noise, but sometimes he doesn't use the noise in the right way. He he sometimes tries too hard to sort of show off that like, yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah, I'm that motherfucker. Um, I, I don't think that that is exactly what you want from TK. And so when he lets the game come to him, and if he's a, more of a passer, he's more of a scorer, you know, that's where he's at his best. And he knew after success against Villanova the first time around that he can be a very effective, you know, scorer in this game. One of the things I've personally noticed about Tyler Kolick, and I'd have to actually fact check this, and maybe you guys can look if you want, but it feels like he is better the second time around. Feels like when he sees the, this team once, he gets an idea of what he wants to do. And then that second time around, he kind of goes off. And that's sort of, he just makes the adjustments, you know, kind of on the fly. But he is the leader of the grit, right? He is the reason why Marquette has got its grip back because he is their leader. He is their number one. But that's not to say he's the only one, right? You know, the. Defense they've gotten from David Joplin the last couple games has been a revelation. And that is what every Marquette fan was hoping for at the start of the year. And honestly, a lot of Marquette fans were dubious they would even see. But David Joplin's defense has come a long way. And he's showing some grit. You had Chase Ross come off an injury showing off sort of that grit. You also had the mental stamina to kind of get through that Villanova was up four points. It was 51 to 47. Villanova had completely flipped this game. And Marquette, I think in early January or December would have turtled and lost that game by double digits. But Tyler Golick did not let it happen. The defense of Marquette did not let it happen. They threw a zone, which was a great adjustment by Shaka Smart because they knew they were tired, even though Villanova is a three-point shooting team and that led to better closeouts and Marquette was able to sort of reestablish themselves defensively and this team now looks a lot different they gotta get healthy right I don't think that they can win you know deep into March without having Cam Jones right and hopefully everyone else stays healthy I know you're not gonna have Sean Jones that sucks but they they need they there's a couple little things there. It's like you gotta get healthy, you gotta figure out the scoring droughts on the road. That has been an issue. Um, that's like the last maybe final boss. That's the Bowser of grit, if you will. Um, because like that is the last thing I feel like Marquette needs. And once Marquette figures that part out, like look out. And these freshmen keep getting better. Zade Lowry. I know he only played nine minutes. I don't even talk about him in the grades. Another guy who's added a ton of grit. He His defense on the perimeter was so solid. I actually wish it was a little more Zade Lowry. I think just they needed as much offense as they could, they could get. And Zade just did not fit into what they needed last night. And Chase Ross also being back, you know, kind of limits Zade Lowry. But I think the sky is the fucking limit with Lowry. And... I also think that they could run a very small, just absolute bite your ankles defense with Kolick, with uh, Stevie Mitchell, with Chase Ross, with Zade Lowry, and then also in the middle. I think you could, I think you're shutting down a lot of defense, a lot of offenses on the perimeter with those guys out there. 
Um, and yeah, you gotta go small, but I, I think that small ball lineup would actually work um, against certain teams. But it's it's just it's been a joy to watch Marquette turn it around, and it, it starts with you know sort of that finding that grit again. And it's been a very good stretch here, and they just got to keep it going. Right? And they have a, a real opportunity too. You know, the door is open, right? You know, you have Georgetown on Saturday. Georgetown's playing a little better. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're getting to that point of the year where you have a, a team like the Hoyas that want to sort of basically have that signature win. And they're not a good team. They're not going to make the tournament. And they want to have that one game to kind of hang their hat on. Maybe they point to Georgia Tech, right, who just beat North Carolina. Like, we can have that. We can have that celebration. You know, we can, you know, shock the world and, and have that, you know, people talk about us on a very busy Saturday for college basketball. Excellent Saturday for college basketball, by the way. Um, but that, you know, they're going to have to be ready. And then they get a week off before National Marquette Day, which is amazing. I think that's really great. It, and no game between that. So there's no look-ahead opportunity at all. It's all focus on St. John's, and that crowd is going to be absolutely out of their fucking mind. Um, and then, yeah, so, and then UConn in two weeks, and that's that's going to be in Butler in between, and and they owe Butler. And I, I think that they they would I would love to see how they can if they can respond against Butler. So long way to go. Lot still can happen, but it, it makes me happy that Marquette has found their grit again. Moving on to the greats. So we we do this, uh, we've brought back. Uh, for a while there, we weren't doing it. I think we just got tight with scheduling, uh, especially on like a Packer Monday and things like that. But grading sort of the game, going from A to A to F uh, with what's what went on in the game for Marquette. Uh, obvious A, we talked about Tyler Kolek a lot already, but Tyler Kolek, like, duh, like 32 points, nine assists, six rebounds. I, I it Just an incredible game from TK. Uh, I, I wasn't a big, like, calling him TK, but I called him a lot, a, TK a lot on the live stream, and so now I'm just starting to call him TK a lot. So here we are. Uh, but awesome job by, by Kolek in this one. Chase Ross, another A. Chase Ross, uh, a.k.a. Ross the Boss, as I like to, like to call him. Uh, what a fucking comeback, man. Like, he was so good in this game. Uh, Ross played really well. I think he had 11 points. Yeah, but it really was his defense. I thought it was tremendous. Yeah, 11 points, two threes made, made all the shots from the, the free throw line, had four rebounds as well, um, and, and a block. The block was incredible. Uh, I was, I think it was probably right around the under four, and he just meets a guy at the rim and pins it right at right at the bucket. Um, Chase Ross, you, you couldn't tell the guy hurt his shoulder. I, I joked uh, in the chat that Chase Ross was like, it, like kind of your own gardener, you know, rookie of the year where all of a sudden like he gets the injury and then he comes back and he's even better. Um, yeah, that's Chase Ross right now, at least at least from the looks of it. Uh, he he was great. And I wonder, I Ben Gold started in this one, but I wonder if Ross, is, Ross gets the nod on Friday, on Saturday if Cam Jones can't go. I, I think to me, that would make the most sense. Um, just with the way he played, uh, he was tremendous in this one and really contributed uh, to the victory on both sides of the court. Another A to the red hot start. Look, we can 
talk about how they, they grinded it out, figured out a way to win, but I, I, I think we still need to acknowledge that they started out great. Like that was a excellent start. And that was exactly what you want on the road. And they shell-shocked Villanova. Villanova didn't exactly know what to do, you know, in those first 10 minutes of the game. They barely got the double digits. The defense was great. I just, I love the fact that Marquette just did not really rest on their laurels and picked up sort of where they let off. Now, did things get stagnant when they started to shut off the pick and roll? Yes, I, I definitely, definitely was the case. But I think the tricky thing about with Marquette is you can only do that for so long because if Marquette starts hitting shots, you gotta you gotta start defending it. And if you start defending the shots, then guess what? The pick and roll opens up. And that's where they become very difficult. Uh, but that start needs to at least be acknowledged. It was great. Um, it was exactly sort of what you wanted. Um, and it was, you know, they, they delivered that opening punch. And I, I mean, with as crazy as it sounds, but without that opening punch, I don't, I don't know if they win that game. And I know that seems weird, right? Because it was back and forth and all this other shit, but that was a huge sort of thing for Marquette to sort of kind of get that cushion, you know, heading into things. Um, Stevie Mitchell is another A. Stevie, great. I was, I almost knocked Stevie for, for missing some free throws, but I can't. Um, Stevie is just a, such a good player. Uh, he does so, so many little things out there and just seems to always be in the right place when Marquette needs it. If you were to tell me that Stevie Mitchell hits a go-ahead three or a three to win a game in the Big East tournament or the NCAA tournament, I'm going to believe you. Um, that's just what Stevie Mitchell is. Um, 12 points, nine rebounds. Um, it, it, nine rebounds, too, as a guard, I think is great. You know, pretty solid out on the wing. Mark Armstrong did had a pretty abysmal game in terms of his shooting output. He was 5-18. Uh, from the floor, um, and I, I feel like a lot of that, you know, can be contributed to Mitchell. Uh, he had an offensive rating of 163. That was actually the highest offensive rating in all of the all of the Marquette. He, he also at the end of the game cramped up and played a defensive possession with a cramp, which I felt like was incredible. But yeah, excellent game uh, for Stevie Mitchell, um, and deserves a lot of credit for it. Uh, last A is Tyler Kolick's post-game comments. Oh, I have one more, actually. Tyler Kolick is the, the man. We've, we've discussed that. We've went over that. But his comment after the game was incredible. And I have it here for you. Um, from Ben Steele, who's the man. Uh, we've, co- we've come on the road, and they're, they're yelling, I can't read. They're yelling, where were you on January 6th? All that shit. I love that stuff. Tyler Cole, as Ben Steele said, Tyler Cole, a point guard and a journalist's dream. Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable commentary from Tyler Cole. Um, it's it's great. And yeah, there is a whole thing. There's a whole like Big East Twitter thing about that Tyler Cole can't read, which I, I don't really know where it started. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's funny. It's good. Uh, it's a little on the edge. Let's just put it that way. Um, it, it, it's, but, you know, I think Tyler, because he has such thick skin, it's, it's not, not a big deal 
not a big deal at all. And that's just, you know, how how it goes. And he's going to hear it more. And, you know, he's going to have more rowdy fan bases against Kolick really throughout the year. So it won't be it won't be the end of it. Let's just put it that way. Uh, also, a, a to the PSF live chat. I already shouted you guys out. but I, so And I talked about it, but we did a live show for uh, PSF. Uh, it's an app. You can download it. It's Pro Sports Fans. It's on Apple. It's on Android. And we chatted about the Marquette game. It was an awesome chat. We asked him questions in the chat. Um, I learned some things. Um, definitely, I feel like the chat will be better um, Saturday. Um, and definitely ready to uh, to deliver again on that. But really appreciate all of you that hung out um, with me, whether it was just checked in, you watched 10 minutes of the game. Um, but it was, it was awesome. Um, and, and really, really liked, um, you know, hanging with you all and uh, definitely ready to do it again. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. I had, a, I had a great time. And if you, I think you can watch back the streams on the PSF app, not that you really want to probably, but if you wanted to watch the last few minutes, we had a little technical difficulties. So you could watch that last stream and see me get excited about Tyler Kolick um, like a maniac. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun, man. I had a, I had a great time. So thank you guys uh, again. B to David Joplin. Uh, Jop. The only reason why Jop didn't get an A because he was good on both sides of the court, and all of a sudden Jop can block shots, which I, I don't know when that started, but okay. Um, he couldn't hit free throws. Um, he was I think two of five from the line or two of six. Like so, that's why we're only digging Jop because of the the missed free throws. That that has to get better. Um, hopefully, you know, just works on it. Just you know, really, you know, puts it between the ears and in those big moments you know, comes up with those big shots. But he was, again, really good on both sides of the ball, which we haven't exactly seen throughout his career. Um, he had 12 points in this one. He had two made threes, um, four rebounds. I I will say, you know, he had a little bit, and I, I think also credit to Joplin, like he was a guy who kind of sometimes needed momentum and needed sort of to be awesome offensively to make sure that everything else was clicking. And in this one, he really struggled in the first four minutes of this game. And they pulled him for Ben Gold. I think they pulled him for Ben Gold. There was, it might have been the like 16 to 12. But anyways, there's a bad Joplin stretch in this game. Um, and Shaka Smart talked with him. Coaches talked with him. And then he came back and he was awesome. And he was really good down the stretch. And so, I, again, we talked about that grit at the open. Like, that's that's what it is, right? Like, he didn't let he didn't let that moment be the, the define him, right? He came back and was even better. So, good uh, David Joplin. Also beat Oso Gadara. Not a huge Oso game. He had 15 points in this one. I think he had nine rebounds, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Oh, eight rebounds. Um, made up five or six from the free throw line, which was great. For Oso, um, you know, just played his shit. Just did his thing. Um, he, you know, did a pretty solid job on Eric Dixon. He did have 24 points, but I feel like it was a lot of Eric Dixon. You know, a couple threes made. He made six free throws. He, he, he only, he was only 6-12 from the field. So, or from the two-point line. So, I think that's credit to Iguodara, um and his defense. So, solid day for Oso. Uh, C goes to clutch free throws. It was not... Great at times. There were some clutch free throws that were made, but it wasn't the best free throw output day for the Golden Eagles. They were 
21 of 29 from the free throw line. There were what? How many fouls? I didn't realize this. Um, not surprising with James Breeding um, calling this game here. But there were, let's see, 29 plus 17. Let's do the math here. Oh, that's a lot of free throws. That we, they had, fuck, we had 40, we, there were 46 free throws in this game. Oof, that makes sense why this game took forever. Um, but yeah, Marquette just needs to be just a touch better. Uh, Joplin, two of six, was really the biggest defender of, uh, of the free throw issue, especially down the stretch. Uh, deeds to defensive closeouts. I thought the defensive closeouts for part of that second half were terrible. Um, like I said, the adjustment to go to the zone, I think really helped against those closeouts, but the, they just gotta be better against a team that likes to shoot like Villanova. Um, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you're closing out a, a, against a, you know, really good three point shooting team. Uh, another D to trade Norman's head. I uh, hope it's all right. He did come in. So I guess he's okay. Um, it was kind of weird, right? Um, Stevie Mitchell cramped and they brought in Trey Norman again, I think. And it's like, oh, I guess he's not concussed um, just for a possession. And then they got Stevie some fluids. He was fine, stretched it out, was back in. But so I guess he's okay. Um, maybe they were just trying to be you know, cautionary. Um, I don't know kind of how they do concussion protocol, you know, in terms of basketball. It's certainly a blurred line compared to what football is, but he got kicked in the head. Um, so hopefully he's all right. Um, hopefully everything's okay with Trey Norman and he's ready to play for Saturday. And then F to that 31 to 10 run, they just got to figure out their their scoring droughts. Like that's the last thing on the road they got to figure out is like, all right, when we get into a scoring drought, how do we solve that? Like, what do we do? And I understand that basketball is a game of runs. That's as cliche as it gets, but it's true. And this game was literally the definition of that. But at the same time, it's like, how do you stop the bleeding? What do you need to do? Is it switching your defense? Is it, is it just trying to get a quick transition bucket? Is it, you know, pick and roll stuff? Is it just no threes until you get a couple buckets and reestablish? I don't know. Is it catch and shoot threes? I, I just think that's something that Marquette really needs to focus on and hopefully work through uh, before you know as the season continues. Uh, ben Gold also an F. Uh, you know we talked, we praised Ben Gold on Saturday. Ben Gold had a great game. Uh, ben Gold did not have a great game in this one. Now he's a sophomore. I feel like that's going to happen, but he had a 67 offensive rating, which is pretty brutal. First start for Gold, I think. Um, and it was not good. It was one of five from three. Um, did only got one rebound in this one. Um, just and he was played off the floor with you know Chase Ross and Chase Ross just kind of stole his minutes. Um, and credit to Chase. And I, I think that they they also saw and, and also credit to to Shaka. He tried. He didn't make a square peg fit in a round hole, right? With Villanova, you know, kind of playing a little smaller, that all their shooters, they needed as many guys who could close out on those shooters than, than Ben Golden also. Ben Golden also don't really want to get out of the paint. And that's, and they're just, you know, and so that makes sense. And so I, I think this wasn't exactly Ben Gold's game. So give a little bit of grace there. But yeah, it was, it was a rough game for Benny. Last one is a little bit of live stream issues. So we, uh, we had a check closed down, then people couldn't see me for a little while. I had to charge my phone, so I don't know why um, why they could not see me. Um, and then we were able to fix it uh, for the finals. I also spilled uh, a soda and a water. Uh, I, I was working on a small TV, at a, or a small table, 
and I was like, "Oh, we're back, we're back," and then uh, and then it just it didn't it didn't end up working. So um, that sucked. Uh, but again, it's all a learning experience. Um, I'll uh, I'll figure out what I did wrong there and uh, make sure that uh, that that doesn't happen again. And if it does, you know. Continue to work on it. It's a it's a work in progress. Like I said, it's not Rome was not built in a day. Um, but yeah, that those are the grades. Marquette now goes to Georgetown. I, as I said, it's it's a little sleepy because it's you know Georgetown is looking for that big win, looking for that Ed Cooley signature win. He doesn't exactly have that, I would say, at this point of his you know tenure at Georgetown, and I do think he'll get one. Um, you know, and they've played teams close. You know, they played Providence close. I know there was a lot of emotion in that game. Um, and they played Xavier really close. Um, they, even though they, it was only 10 points against UConn, they played them close. So they have Marquette at home. Their next two weeks are Marquette and Cronet and UConn at home. And so I, I do wonder as cool, if Cooley's saying, like, can we get one of those? Can we get one of those to kind of hang our hat on? So we'll see. But I... I, w- I just you know, want to make sure that Marquette, you know, is able to uh, to put him in the ground, and we'll see. Um, but that should be a good one on on Saturday, and hope you hope you guys join us in the chat. All right, this is ambitious to do. Not gonna lie to you. Um, usually, this is a top topic, uh, Wisconsin importance rankings. But with all the discussion, you know, we've had around the Bucks and not much going on in terms of the Packers' defensive coordinator search. We do have the Wisconsin importance rankings for the month of February. If you're new here, um, basically importance rankings are who are the most important people? What do they matter? I used to do games in this. I have reverted back because games are, are going to be its own thing, either solo or with Mitch. Um, and so that will stay tuned for that. Um, th- this is like part one of it. But basically getting you ready for February. It's a preview of February uh, for Wisconsin sports, if you will. Um, and my number one guy on the importance rankings and this can be all sports. Um, I should add that um, Bucks, Brewers, Packers, Marquette. I do have a Badger mention in there, but in Badger basketball again, I'm not. I don't watch a ton of it, so I'm not. I'm not your guy for that. Um, there are other other guys who do great work on on the Badgers, but number one is Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers to me is the most important person in terms of this month uh, for the state of Wisconsin. And how does Doc Rivers? figure out this team and what does he need to do to make the right adjustments to get the Bucks in a great place, you know, for the month of March, right? And, you know, I think it's going to take some time. I think it's going to take some learning. And I think they're, you know, they're going to be, you know, valleys, they're going to be peaks where it's like, wow, the Bucks look great. And that's going to be like, well, the Bucks are terrible. This, this isn't any better than Adrian Griffin. So I think it's really up to Rivers to sort of figure out, you know, how this team works together. And I think this is a really important month. They also get a week off, you know, with the all-star break and they can really spend some time figuring out, you know, again, sort of that ins and outs of, you know, the good and bad parts of Bucks basketball. But I think it's just critical for Doc Rivers to kind of figure out this team and figure out exactly what he has uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. And so I, I think that that's, the number one guy for me in terms of the month of uh, February. Number two is John Horst. Uh, I think John Horst is equally as important as Doc Rivers. I think Rivers and Horst are kind of tied at the hip a little bit because I think that him and Doc have to be talking at this point about 
who are tradable assets, who are not. Um, I think John Horst probably has a better idea of that than Doc Rivers, but I think this week, personally, so tonight against Portland and then against uh, Dallas on Saturday are really important games because I think then you have a little bit of a sample size for Doc to either say yay or nay. I would be shocked if anyone's traded before this road trip, right? So I, I think that they, they'll they'll go as far as the Phoenix game, right? And, and then at that point, uh, they'll know, all right, are we trading Bobby Portis? Are we trading back content? Are we trading Marjan Bochamp? You know, what, what are we giving up here? And what do we need, right? Do we need that point of attack defender? And does he need to be a starter? Do they need a backup big? Uh, which is something that Ben Thompson has really been harping on. Uh, what is sort of the needs for this Bucks team? And John Horace has done some great work at the deadline. He acquired PJ Tucker um, a couple years ago that won the Bucks to championship. He has been a master in terms of getting what he wants with limited assets. I got Jay Crowder, which we thought was you know the difference maker uh, for the Bucks. Um, he's not afraid to stick his neck out um, and. With the, the way that the new CBA is, it seems like not a lot of teams are taking on a lot of assets. So maybe a guy like DeJounte Murray is on the table. I'm not a huge fan of that, I, I, honestly. I feel like there's other things that they could look at. I think just really making sure that bench is solid um, is, is a good thing. I realize the bench isn't as important in the, in the postseason, but you still need one or two guys at, at the very least. I don't think you can just win with your starters uh, in the postseason. So we'll see what John Horst does. Number three is Damian Lillard. Uh, obviously a big game for Damian Lillard tonight in the last of, Feb last of January, being in Portland. Uh, but I, I think I, I've started to notice, or I noticed it on Monday, we talked about it on Tuesday's show, that he's getting a little bit of scapegoat. Like it's like, all right, we Adrian Griffin, we, we're, we're done with him. Now we got to scapegoat Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard has to play at all-star levels every night. And that's what we expect. And I think that Giannis has ruined us as basketball fans. Because Giannis is so goddamn consistent. Giannis is, every night, it's like, it's rare, rare, rare stuff that Giannis doesn't at least have, you know, 10, or at least have 15 points, you know, eight to nine rebounds and a few assists. And that is like the, the floor for Giannis. But for Lillard, the floor is like three for 14, three for 17. Like, and that's that's a shooter, right? That That's what happens with a guy who is jump shot dependent. And I I think that there there's just a misunderstanding with Bucks fans on Dame Lillard. And I, I understand that, yeah, we haven't had a ton of, we haven't had this like, hot stretch of Dame games, right? That That's the part that I think might be missing. But I, I just wonder, is that not on the table this year because of Giannis Antetokounmpo? Like, I, I think Dame's been fine. I don't really understand the scapegoating of Lillard, um, but that's what people are doing. So I still think it's an important stretch here for Lillard um, and an important month to kind of reestablish himself and people realize that, all right, Dame Lillard is that guy and we have nothing to worry about. Um, so hopefully there's a few big game, big game, Dame, Dame moments in there. Um, that was not planned. Going to college, uh, Oso Gidara is number four for me. I put Oso ahead, Tyler. Tyler makes the list here too. But Oso's on here as four because they have UConn uh, in a couple weeks 
and Donovan Klingen and the size of UConn also did pretty well against them. You know, in a couple of games, he also got a foul trouble in another game. Um, so a really solid test for him uh, in that game against Connecticut. And that's the biggest game of Marquette's month. Um, and so how does Oso respond to that? What does Oso do? Um, I just think his, you know, being able to stay in the game and being able to, you know, provide some offense and pull Klingon out of the paint is extremely important to what Marquette, if they're going to shock the world, eh, shock the world's a little strong, but if they're going to beat UConn on the road, like if they're, if they're going to notch a road win against the Huskies, who are right now the number one team in the nation, that's stuff they're going to need to do. Oso is going to have to be massive in that game. Um, so I, I have Oso Yudar there. He's also been playing great in the month of January. Um, I think there's a case for him for Big East player of the player of the the year. Honestly, I, I think he's playing that well. Um, I don't think he'll get it. Um, he's very underrated. I think outside of the Marquette world, like we know how good Oso Yudar is. I just don't know if the world exactly knows it. You know, maybe again, it's that UConn game that people are like, oh shit, Oso Yudara is like as important to this team as Tyler Kolick. Um, and hopefully, you know, he gets that opportunity. But yeah, I think Oso is wildly important, you know, for Marquette's success, you know, this month. UConn isn't the only game, but I think just continuing to play at that high level is is really important. Uh, number five is Brian Gutekust. Uh Goody obviously has the decision to make uh, when it comes to the defensive coordinator, you know, he'll obviously contribute to that. And then the decisions of getting ready for the draft and putting together, you know, what the Packers exactly need for the draft. And then what are they going to do in terms of a Jordan Love extension? Is that coming down the pipeline? I guess Gunakus is meeting with the media on Thursday. Nothing would be more perfect than me saying we don't have a Friday podcast and Brian Gunakus announced an extension for Jordan Love. Um, that would, you know, that would bring a podcast on, on Friday. Uh, but I, I think Brian's important. And I also think, you know, as the new year starts, now this will be more of a March conversation, but start having those initial thoughts about what this roster looks like and who is potential trade bait. Is, you know, are there guys that the Packers should move off of, a David Bakhtiari? Are there guys the Packers should, you know, move off of in terms of money, like Kenny Clark? I, I disagree at this point. I think, I know, I don't think Kenny Clark's a Hall of Famer, but I think with his age, I think Kenny Clark should come back and they should restructure. I think also restructuring, right? You're going to want to restructure Aaron Jones. You're probably going to want to restructure Kenny Clark. You're going to want to figure out how you can navigate all these guys and see what you can do to sort of make sure that the Packers are just as are more successful than last year. But you keep this group together because I, I really do think that the team chemistry on this team is unlike something I've seen in a long time. So I think it's a big month for Brian Gunacus to kind of figure all that out. Uh, number six is Tyler Kolick. Um, we just kind of talked about Oso, so it's it's similar. Um, I think for Kolick, it's just you know playing within himself, right, and making sure that he sort of does exactly exactly what he he needs to do and doesn't let the moment get too big. We we talked a lot about Kolick already today, so I don't want to belabor the point. But yeah, it's yeah, as important as Igudar is, so is Kolick. Uh, they're synonymous with each other. Um, I could also, you know, kind of bonus in importance rankings from a Marquette perspective, throw David Joplin in and just can Joplin sort of keep up sort of what he's been doing 
Um, I think that that matters. Um, maybe maybe Joplin's more important than Cole. Like Cole looks important, but if we do the importance rating of like who matters the most in terms of like, I still think it's Cole. Uh, but yeah, David Joplin deserves a mention. Um, you know, other guys deserve mentions too. But yeah, it's just wildly important that Tyler plays within himself, um, which we've seen now for the last couple of weeks. Uh, number seven is AJ Store. Again, I don't know a ton about this Wisconsin team. I am impressed with AJ Store. I will say, just because he was on St. John's, he was not good on St. John's. I didn't think he would have this type of success with Wisconsin, and he's been great, and he's been excellent for the Badgers. Um, and he's the he's their guy, and he's been playing really, really well. Um, and, you know, can he keep it up? Can he, you know, make the Badgers into one of the top teams in college basketball? They have a interesting stretch here coming up uh, with Nebraska on the road and then Purdue at home uh, this week. And it's hard. I'm, it's really hard, I think, for Wisconsin to not look ahead to that Purdue game uh, on Sunday. Uh, it's just college kid shit. But I, I think the Badgers actually have a pretty advantageous Big Ten schedule. Um, they only see Illinois once, and that's at the end of the year. Um, they they have a lot of home games coming up. Their road games are not that intimidating, not against really any team. Maybe Iowa's the only one that's like a quote-unquote bubble team. Like Michigan and Rutgers aren't dancing this year. Indiana's probably not dancing this year. They do have to go on the road to Purdue at the end of the year, but I don't know. At that point, it's like, you know, maybe the motivation isn't there as much for Purdue, um, but that, that's at the end of the year. And at that point, you're kind of, I wouldn't say in-house money land, but that's that's at the point of the season where it's like, all right, let's just get to, let's just get to the Big Ten tournament. So I, I think that, you know, the Badgers, you know, have have what it takes. And AJ Storr just can he can he keep it up? Can he sort of keep this going for the eight and one uh Wisconsin Badgers and the sixth ranked Badgers uh in college basketball? We'll certainly see. Uh, number eight, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um yeah, every month is important for Giannis. I think it's less because he's just been so good, so consistent. Um, and I think just keeping that up. And, you know, I, I don't exactly worry about the wear and tear of Giannis, but he has played more minutes this year. Um, that's not that's not something that is a secret. I do wonder, is that something that the Bucks are going to look at, start load managing him a little bit and say, all right, yeah, take a night off here and there, you know, when – the Bucks have a back-to-back or like I look at that Charlotte game right where the Bucks have played it'll be five games in seven nights uh next Friday against the Hornets it seems like an opportune day for Giannis to get some rest um and let him chill out um trying to look if there's other opportunities I well you know obviously there's not as many games because of the all-star break but you know, I think as long as, you know, making sure that that's there and, you know, what he can do, you know, in sort of the big opportunities, there's a decent amount of games on primetime. Um, it's going to really ramp up primetime wise in the month of March. I think that's kind of where you will see Giannis make his ascent in terms of the MVP um, conversation. Uh, but he has a couple opportunities, you know, tonight against Portland, uh, TNT next week against Phoenix. Uh, they're also on TNT against the Grizz and ABC against Philadelphia. So there are some opportunities here for Antetokounmpo to have himself a great, uh, great sort of fin- great month. And one player of the month in January, I feel like if you continue to win player of the month with Embiid now looking like he's probably not going to 
be MVP because of the game limit. He he injured his knee. I didn't see the injury. I guess it might be bad. And if that's the case, like then I, I think that changes the whole conversation of the MVP because it's like, are you just going to go back to Jokic? Is it Shea, uh, Shea Alexander's time? Uh, is it, is does Anthony Edwards start putting himself in that conversation? Uh, Tatum, maybe. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens if uh, Embiid is actually hurt long-term and it looks like he won't be, he, he'll be eliminated in terms of games played uh, for that MVP. Uh, nine, Andre Jackson Jr. or Marjan Bochamp. They're not playing right now. I think that's on purpose. Um, I think part of that is due to the fact that they are they're showcasing the old guys. Um, I, I don't know if they're wanting to trade both Bochamp or Jackson Jr. I think they're not trading Jackson Jr. at all. I think Bochamp would be the guy that would go. Um, but I, I do think one of those guys becomes important by the end of the month and they're back in the rotation. I, I doubt both do, but you never know. Um, maybe both are, you know, part of the conversation and part of the mix. And I expect that to be a battle in practice and doc learning these guys and figuring out their strengths and weaknesses and what they can and can't do. And I, I know that the, the Ajax truthers, the Ajax hive, if you will, um, is going to be mad for a few weeks. I just think it's it's in all in due time. I think it'll take a week, maybe a week plus, and then we'll start seeing these guys play a little bit more. Lastly, is Matt Arnold. Is Matt Arnold going to make another move for the Brewers? Matt Chapman, you know, doesn't have a job. Uh, Matt Chapman, it, Justin Turner gets signed by his old team, the Blue Jays. Apparently, the Cubs and Giants are teams that are in on Matt Chapman. I would love the Brewers to be a part of that conversation. Nothing would be funnier than if the Brewers got Matt Chapman and they took Matt Chapman and Reese Hoskins both from the Cubs. Um, would say a lot to me about like, you know, what they people think about the Brewers. I think the Brewers are a much more well-respected organization than maybe the online community gives it credit for. Um, and they've just built a culture of winning. And you can say, oh, I don't have a ring. They don't have a ring. They haven't gone to the World Series. I, sometimes, yeah, it, it's more than that. And I, I tell people that all the time. They don't want to listen. That's fine. Um, but I, I think that that's, that's part of it. And so we'll see. We'll see if Matty Arnold, you know, makes a move and he becomes a big swinging dick in the Cracker Factory. And that'll do it. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was ready to like pause and be like, all right, that's it for the reports rankings. I'm like, oh, I can't really end up big swinging dick in the Cracker Factory. That's it for reports rankings uh, for February. Uh, and uh, let me know yours. Uh, hit me up on social uh, Tabby the Kag on Twitter slash X or Tabby the Kag Sports on Instagram. Uh, and we'll try to we'll try to engage with you ask this question on both platforms today. All right, last thing. I, I don't have a name for this. I got to think about it. I always like names for my segments. Uh, call that cheesy. Call it whatever it is. But I saw a TikTok and I'll post it um, to to my social channels uh, when, I, when I do this that a guy for a fantasy football punishment had to spend a day in the bar. Like he had to start sun up to sun down. He had to spend his day in the bar. It was a great video. It was really interesting. I was captivated by it. It's a place called the Stumble Inn in New York City. Apparently that's kind of a a, a little bit of a party bar. Um, like it's like one of those party slash sports bars. Um, and they were getting after it on a, on a Sunday. Uh, it was a pretty packed house uh, for the games on Sunday, which not a surprise just given the melting pot in New York. You know, there are Chiefs fans, Ravens fans, Giants fans, or uh, Lions fans, uh, 49ers fans. Like, hey, it's New York, right? That's that's part of it. 
But, and he kind of just documented it. And it seemed like during the games, it was great. And then after the games was an absolute, you know, just sucked. And so I, I got me thinking, you know, if I was punished with this, I had to stay at a bar for the entire day from there open to the close, what would that be? And I started to rifle through. I figured out the best and worst that I have. Um, I won't go through all of them because I'm, I'm a little limited on time. Um, but I, I will, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go through at least, you know, kind of my thought process in terms of the best and then where we, where I netted out with the three and I'll kind of talk about why I, I had those three. And I will say, okay, so yeah, best I have are the Broadhouse, shout out, who's on third, Nomad, it had to be in the summertime, but Nomad, Malone's, Jack's, Worst Bar, Pete's Pub, all those kind of clumped in together. I think those are all kind of the same, but you know they're a little different in terms of the food selection, TV selection, things like that. Um, but those I, I have lumped in. The Brewery, uh, Sport Club, Stenny's, Lefts out in Tosa. Yeah, we're bringing, some, we're bringing in some suburban ones. Major Goolsby's, Neighborhood Draft, Camp Bar. Those are all ones that I was like, all right, I could think of those as if I had to spend my entire day there, and watch sports and hang out, which ones would there be? And I, I feel like those are all in the best conversation. But where I landed as the top three, number one being Jax. I think Jax's food, Jax's TV, the fact there's two levels. I think one of the things the guy limited himself with is he wasn't moving around the bar. I think that that was a critical error on his behalf. Like if I were him, what I would do is... I would watch the games at one point in the bar, but when the games were over, I'd go to a completely different part of the bar. I would talk to bartenders. I would hang out. I would do that. I also, I don't know how he stayed like coherent through that entire thing. Cause I feel like if I was at the bar for that long, I would be hammered. Now I drink pretty quickly. Um, just kind of what it, what I, how I, my style, it's not really my intention. I just end up crushing four beers and, and I, I don't really realize it. So that's part of the problem for me. But think with the TVs, with the booths, with everything else, like if I had a booth at Jack's pretty much for the whole day and you know could get some work done or, and do that, like I think it would be all right. Um, so that's why I have Jack's. The brewery, kind of the same reason. Their food isn't as good. Um, that would be the only drawback to the brewery, but it's, it's so big. That again, like there's a lot to do. There's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of different areas of the bar. Um, and and I, I think that there that would be okay. And I think also too, weirdly, having craft brews, you know, on tap is actually better because you it can slow you down. Now it can speed it up with the percent, but those fill you up really quick. The only, my only concern with the brewery is food. And that, but, and so maybe that, that takes it down and maybe it's sport club. Sport club was really considered uh, in terms of the honorable mention. So maybe I swapped that out, but I still put the brewery there. Last one is neighborhood draft. I kind of did it. <laughs> uh, neighborhood draft uh, is only open like 12 to six on Sundays. So it's a very short window. It's not a full day, but I was there with my guy does from like 12 to 430 and we had a great fucking time. So with that, knowing that, could I do that the entire entire day? Yeah, I would just eat wings. I, they have a bunch of different appetizers. Um, their TV selection isn't great. Their seating selection is not, I would say, the most comfortable, but I, I still would figure it out. 
Um, the only drawback of that is it's a smaller bar, uh, not a ton to do. It's really just watching sports, eating wings, which I know sounds like the dream, but I, I feel like once you get in that eighth or ninth hour, it's, it's terrible. Um, uh, in terms of honorable mentions, I had lefts, I had camp, uh, any little camp location. I'd probably choose the third ward location though, if, if we're, if we're asking. They have couches too. Uh, maybe camp should have been more considered. Um, then sport club, uh, was the other one, which I'm not always a big sport club guy, but I think with, again, it's all about like seating. It's all about like different parts of the bar. Um, I think at least sport club provides it in terms of worst, uh, I, and they have to be like sports bars, right? They have to at least have like some semblance of they have sports on TV. Um, I, I did not put like red, white, and blue or lucid or any of those places in here, but I did put Trinity. Um, I did put the harp. I put red rocks. Uh, Dukes, uh, and here's the thing about Dukes. Like, so obviously the the first few are you you get it, uh, but Dukes, it's like it's dollar beers. It's like yeah, there's there's a lot of different places to move around in the bar, but you just kind of always feel like dirty at Dukes. Like, it's just part of it. Like, it's is it fun every now and again? Sure, but like, could you imagine doing a full day at Dukes? Uh, Nomad in the wintertime, small spaces. Club Brady, no food. Uh, Highbury, you're there all day. I want to talk about Highbury in a second here. Joe Cats, um, which isn't exactly a sports bar, but I, I had to mention Joe Cats. Um, and it definitely would be part of the worst. And then the Mecca. Um, worst is definitely Highbury. And the only reason why is I didn't realize this. I looked this up. Uh, Saturday, the Highbury is open from 6.30 a.m. to 1.30 a.m., which would mean you would have to be there for 18 hours, that not sustainable. There's no way you'd survive. You there, there is not a fucking chance. Most bars are only open for 12 hours. Um, I think by that six o'clock hour, you would be absolutely gone. Club Brady number two. Um, I I just I had a good time the last time I was there, but not exactly my cup of tea in terms of bar. It is a big bar. There there are things to do throughout the day, but and I would I'd also like. I, I'd be so bloated from all the popcorn I'd eat. Like that would just, it would be a bad thing. Last is Trinity. Uh, I, I like the harp. Uh, I, I do, uh, even at my old age. And Trinity would just be too much for me. Um, it'd be way too, met, too much going on. It would be a lot like the guy that we saw in the video. Honorable mentions, I mentioned Dukes, but they're definitely on that honorable mention list in Red Rock as well. I don't even know if I'd consider Red Rock in this, but there you have it. Um, let me know yours. Hit me up on socials, uh, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. But yeah, it was, I thought it was excellent in terms of the video, uh, but I, uh, I selected mine. So uh, obviously want to hear yours. All right, take care guys. Have yourself a great rest of the week. Um, like I said, we'll be back with Mitch tomorrow, watching the Bucks live, at least in the early part. Um, and then we will uh, we'll have a show Friday. So I'll be back with you solo on Monday. Uh, we'll recap the weekend. Uh, we'll have some fun segments as well. Um, and yeah, if we need to pop in on Friday because Jordan Love got an extension, the Packers hired a defensive coordinator, we will be there for you. So you know, don't you worry. Um, yes, I, I am planning to not be doing fi Friday, but if I got to do another, got to do five shows again this week, we do five shows. All right. Take care of a good one. See you. Bye.